Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. This is episode 30 to 39 with Matt McCullough. That's a great start to the podcast. And I'm the kind of person that doesn't do much editing of this. I try and keep it as raw as possible. So the first line has had a bit of a hiccup in it. Um, Matt is the national sales manager for Oldmore Bank. He helps brokers up and down the country secure good quality mortgage business. Now, Matt has worked his way up from a broker support advisor all the way up to national sales manager in the last eight years at Oldmore Bank. If anybody knows Matt, we all know that he's massive on LinkedIn, which is something we'll really be going into depth about today. But I also wanted to have a chat about his days of leading a telephone team to help brokers generate more business. It's something brokers have had to learn very quickly during the, the pandemic, lack of face-to-face appointments, going out to people's homes. So it'll be great about how he teaches people or how he taught people to build rapport over the phone win clients and ultimately generate business over the telephone with mortgage leads. So there might be a few mortgage brokers out there that are starting out in this business and are having to do telephone leads. And we'll we'll be going through a few sales techniques and telephone sales etiquette. So Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on. Good, good. Right. So busy, busy week so far. We're on to Tuesday today. Tuesday, yeah, busy week. Tuesday, so much so I'm forgetting what days are which at the moment. Um, I'm I'm running on nearly no sleep because my littlest is keeping me awake. I really, yeah, such a chicken pox. And then now she's just become a bit of a you know I don't want to sleep in my own bed. I'll get out. So that's been a bit of a nightmare. Um, but it's fine. I can function on four hours. It's cool. <laughs> oh, I'd love to be able to function. On, I have to get eight, otherwise I get headaches and I just I'm shattered. Yeah. Yeah, but to, to answer your question, busy week really is. Uh, prepping for some events this week. We've got the Mortgage Business Expo in London on Thursday, um, meeting up with some uh, industry friends on the Wednesday. And then on the Thursday night, we've got a, a hospitality event in London at uh, Swingers, the golf place. Nothing, <laughs> uh, nothing that involves a bowl and car keys. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a chat about that before the podcast yeah. came. And he was like, Yeah, I've got swingers on Thursday. I was like, Oh, <laughs> might be on the wrong podcast here, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what is that then? Is that mini like a mini golf evening where brokers all meet? Basically, yeah. So, we planned it. Um, we planned it just before the pandemic actually to launch what our new look London would look like in terms of we've got new relationship managers in there now. We split it in half, get great coverage. Uh, so we invited sort of circa 40 brokers down for the evening. Clearly, COVID came, we had to cancel more than just that event, everyone did. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is just the reignition of that, really reignition of that um back in London, you know, celebrate some successes with the brokers that have supported us and have a good night, really. I've seen on LinkedIn the last couple of weeks, you've been out and about, haven't you? Have you enjoyed getting back out there? Because I don't know if you've noticed, but Matt and I do like to speak quite a bit. So I can imagine that Matt <laughs> likes to be out and about chatting to people. This is going to be, we were saying, this is probably going to be like a six hour episode, just <laughs> the amount we talk. Literally. I mean, I, I, um, I'll speak to anybody. People, my friends joke about it. My, my, my wife jokes about it. I, I could be on, I could be on a train in the middle of nowhere going to nowhere and I'll find somebody to talk to. Um, it's crazy, really. Um, but um, the thing for me is that I love being out with people. I mm. love seeing people. 
I love speaking to people. It's part of the job that we do. And actually, you know, everything, I'm going to have a tangent a little bit here now, but, you know, the world where we are is like run by technology, right? Mm -hmm. But you need to understand the people that run that side of it because yeah. we forget sometimes, don't we? We all sit and watch telly. We all consume social, listen to music, but there's people behind there and I like to get to know them. Yeah, the background. And we'll, we'll get into that as well because you've touched on social there. I'm sure we're going to have a big conversation on that. But I think start at the very beginning. Give us a little background into the mortgage world, how you got into the Oldermore Bank. Yeah, well, Oldermore, but I, I, I fell into banking. Most people will say this. I'm sure you've heard yeah. it before. And you have heard it before, actually. I've listened. Um, fell into, people fall into financial services. It's not exciting. People, no one goes looking for it, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bank, you know, um, but I fell into it. I was working at a call center for many years, um, general insurance, uh, telesales coaching, the staff there, and I wanted something different. Mm -hmm. So I saw the Oldermore post, broker support advisor, something completely different, moving into financial services uh, properly, not like third-party insurance. And um, thought, yeah, I'll have a look at that. When I got in there, um, great story about the interview, I'll tell you in a moment, but when I got in there, I loved it. The culture's brilliant. You know, the people are brilliant. Um, my first day, you know, there must have been, what, 25 people in the office, maybe 30 in Wilmslow and Cheshire. Um, probably as I speak now, there's 26 in the sales team that I'm part of. So it shows you how much we've grown in that amount of time, right? So phenomenal growth, exciting business. Um, I always had this vision to work my way up. But it did start on kind of rocky grounds. Um because the interview on the day, I, um, I left my old company. They wasn't going to be keen about me leaving for an interview on this day. So if you're listening, sorry, I lied. Um, I, had a foot, I had a football injury, in inverted commas. Um, I had to go to the doctor to check it out. Turns out I was going to Aldermore for an interview. I wasn't wearing a suit. So I got down to my underpants at the far back corner of Aldermore Park, Aldermore, sorry, Drumslow Station car park to get into my suit. Got into my suit perfectly, had my glasses on the roof of the car, forgot. So I drove off and I could hear this scratch. What was that noise? No trees around here. It wasn't a branch, it was the glasses. And in, and in pure Cheshire housewife style, because you, you know Wilmslow, it's famed for the Cheshire housewives and right. the wags. My glasses in the middle of the road were popped to a million pieces by <laughs> a Range Rover. <laughs> which must have been a whack um but yeah and then from there on it has been oh. great it's been a good you ride yeah. so what's your day-to-day -day role include then what do you do so my day-to-day -day role is i i lead 10 uh field-based relationship managers bdms however you want to call that who go out and promote our proposition to thousands and thousands of valued intermediaries across the uk from the top of scotland all the way down to the bottom of cornwall um we have a telephone counterpart team who were on a one-on-one -on -one basis. We're now making that a bit bigger to get more support, but because a lot of these were redistributed during the pandemic to help different areas of the bank where my team were facing purely to new business. Mm -hmm. My day-to-day -day role was really to sort of, you know, guide them, coach them, be their line manager, but also, you know, muck in, get involved with the day-to-day. -day. You know, I'm always out with the guys meeting brokers. I'm at, I'm at events, I'm speaking at events, I'm hosting events, and anything that I can do to get in, into the intermediary world and just live and breathe it, I'm, I'm at it, yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you manage a, a team of 10 BDMs now. If we take a little step back when you were 
managing a, a, a group of brokers on the telephone, you were obviously telling them how to generate business over the phone, how to build rapport with them. Because, I mean, it is, it is tough to try and build rapport over the phone. It's not as easy as it is face-to-face. But, so what are your top tips for generating business online? No, sorry, on, on the phone rather than face-to-face? On the phone. So, so I think first and foremost, right, and, and everybody can tell body language, right, whether you are, sorry, off on the phone, you can, yeah? And you hear the cheesy, you know, people say, oh, smile while you dial, all that stuff, right? The reality is, you have to come across as the person that you are. So if you are, dare I say, dull on the phone, if you are a person that doesn't maybe, yeah, sort of exaggerate body language when they speak, that's going to come across on the phone, right? People want to buy off people. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things that I did with the guys when I first took over the telephone team is, you know, how do we actually just make our role sound interesting? Because BDM, Business development management, right, is all about, as it says on the tin, managing somebody, either it's a brand, a product, or a person, to develop their business that would help you. If you're going into that, thinking that you're going to develop a person, company, firm, whatever, to give you business, right, then that's a very selfish way of looking at that. And actually, once your product, dare I say it, dies, so does your profile. So I had to get the guys into a mindset of, right, let's try and develop the brokers. Mm -hmm. How can we help the brokers get more from their businesses that actually in turn supports us? So we were talking to our brand. If you don't know all the more, we support people that are off the high street. Yeah. So if you, you know, your customer just doesn't get your standard run of the mill mortgage with, you know, your big six household names, we're there to help, whether it's no credit score, lowest credit score, whatever that may be. The point is, if we can open the broker's eyes on how easy it is to place that type of customer, the signs to look out for, how to make the applications of specialist lenders easier, quicker, more efficient, brokers are then not scared of using specialists like Oldmore. What that then happens is, in turn, they don't say no to that customer that they can't quite help right now. Mm -hmm. They keep them tuned in to when they can help them and potentially place them with someone like Oldmore. So do you see the difference there between yeah. going looking for your business rather than looking for your broker to support them? That's what I champion. So you're all about providing as much support as possible to the brokers in the hope that they would use you in the future. And I think there'd be quite a few people that would look at that and say, well, what happens if they go to Smith's mortgages after I've given them all this training on how to, do you know what I mean, deal with them and talk to them about adverse mortgage and that kind of thing. What do you so, say to people like that? Great. It's, a, it's a really good question, that, because that's how we kind of position to the brokers. Picture this. <clears throat> You've got a broker who hasn't engaged with my team, who gets a lot of standard mortgage business, right? Right, the insurance, right, the mortgages, great stuff, dead easy, see you later, right? But they get that odd case that's a little bit difficult, and they've got credit problems, maybe it's a big buy to let landlord. It might be easy to say can't quite help you right now maybe i'm really busy with the -the run-of-the-mill stuff right and i'll say i've not quite got a home for that guess what they will do they will cross the road to the broker across the road from you and ask the same questions if they've had a conversation with me and my team they should be open to the world of specialist lending which means that they could help that customer Mm -hmm. guess what's going to happen then they're going to refer their friends family colleagues to that broker rather than number one which means 
they're losing out on that business. Not necessarily, you know, by it might just be by choice, and I get that. However, if it's by education, that's where people like my team have fell foul. We're here to educate intermediaries on how to make the specialist lending world easy. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what would you? How would somebody approach that with a client? Because I'm just thinking, if I'm if I'm a client and I've gone to a mortgage broker and they've turned around to me and said, "Look, unfortunately, we can't get you with a high street lender." it's because of your credit score, it's because of this, it's because of that. How do they broach that subject with a client? So, I mean, I suppose it depends on what they've got available to them because if it's somebody who, you know, let's say you've got a young first-time buyer couple, they've got a small, you know, 5% deposit and they're looking for a, again, you know, run-of-the-mill 95% mortgage on the high street. Um, they, they, and they've got some potential adverse credit which rules them out of that mortgage. They may find they need to find some more deposit you mean it's a go away and save, you might have another option. So the first point is, okay, what every broker will do a budget plan to ensure that it actually fits income and expenditure. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of which mortgage you choose, what have you got coming in and out to understand can you actually afford the mortgage, the day-to-day, the living expenses, and so on and so forth. So that will happen. If you've then got a customer that falls foul of your, you know, number one lender that you've sourced and that's the best recommended product for them, um, you go down a tier. So let's say it's someone like Aldermore. Now, if our rates are a bit more premium because of the risk that Aldermore will take, that may mean that you might not get the highest loans of value. So conversation number one is, does it fit the budget plan if I need to go down that route? Number two is, if I have to lower the loan amount a little bit because you've not got that much deposit, have you got the sources? If not, do we have to look at a family gift or do I send you away to do two things? Repair credit and save some more deposit. So that's probably the two conversation points there. Can I educate to get you on the high street in a short amount of time? Or is it a bit too, dare I say, severe to do that right now? Can I then, if budget's right, place you at a specialist with the surplus that you have to do that? That's quite interesting. Just interesting for me to hear those kind of things that you teach people. And do you speak to your, you speak to your team to speak to the brokers? Do they speak about how to build rapport with the client over the phone, how to build that trust? So, yeah, I mean, depends. so over the phone and face-to-face, because obviously all my phone, all my guys are face-to-face, but okay. a lot of their brokerages work on a phone-based model. So you've got your large brokerages are nationwide that are telephone-based, but you've got your more close-to-home, you know, face-to-face models. Um, and essentially, we there's, there's two different things that, that we understand there. I mean, the first things that we do when we meet a broker every single time, even if we've known them for years, is just revisit our own fact find, get to understand, okay, how's business? What are their, what's the split like? What are they seeing? Um, what are their current challenges? Uh, and I'll come to why that is in a moment. Um, and also just a general chit chat around how they are as people. Mm-hmm. And that conversation is 70-30 in favour of the broker. Yeah, All about that. If it tips into moral speaking, even though I like to talk, Believe it or not, in front of a broker, I sit back, you know, and I, and I do your thing. Um, and the reason why I go to challenges just on that point is that opens up the angle of how then we promote a product. Mm-hmm. And this is this is how, how anyone would probably promote a product. I read a great book years ago by Mike Weinberg called Sales Simplified. It's fantastic, right? Okay. A little bit Amer- a little bit Americanized, but I've, I've taken a, a bit out of this and created like my own little model, right? Which is IOD, issue, offer, differentiator. If okay. you know somebody really well and you've got that rapport, 
you understand what their challenges are, i.e. issues. That's a talking point for anything. It could be, I've run out of bread. Well, the offer is I can go and get you some bread. But what's going to be different about the bread that Matt brings back, right? Okay. Now, that's kind of the stuff that we want to talk about, that I want my guys talking about, and we do, is what is the issue? Because, you know, we're not a high street lender. We're not a presence that we're, we're not going to be sourced on, you know, best rate, and, and we are a specialist. So what do we do? Well, the issue. Go back to your point before, poor credit score for the customer. Okay, what do we offer? Well, actually, like many specialist lenders, we do offer a service that could offer you the mortgage potentially. But where are we different? Mm-hmm. And that's where the skills come into it, you know? And that's where we then transfer that same model to the broker. How can you use that in your business? How can you maybe create an issue? How can you then promote what you offer, a broker offers, but how are you? a specific broker, company, or individual different from your competition. I really like the way, and I don't know if other lenders do this, but I love the way that Aldermore have hired you as a person to train, well, you train the word, train, but to support your BDMs. You have such a great role to be able to influence what these people are putting out there. I wouldn't have thought there's many setups like this within all of the lenders out there, is there? Um. I wouldn't know. I mean, clearly I've got people in my team that have worked for various lenders, right? And a couple of things that I am absolutely key on every day is people. Mm-hmm. Whether it's my people or whether it's the people that we help, i.e. the intermediate market. Um, you know, for example, I have daily one-to-one catch-ups with my team. So everyone will have a one-to-one call with me at least once a week, right? Some yeah. people didn't get that once a quarter at different, different um, brands. Mm-hmm. And I also, especially during the pandemic, we had a team call on, on Microsoft Teams every morning, even if it was 20 minutes for just a bit of banter and lighthearted chat, fine, you know. Um, and the irony is, with we're closer than we've ever been before. That gets better results for us. But my, my role in this company, uh, in my team, is I just want to be able to... My, my mantra is, if I go and meet a broker, I want them to learn something from me that helps them get more business, whether it be how to post on social, whether it be how to ask a question of a, of a customer that can actually help you get maybe a referral. How could it be to place a case of Oldenmore that actually no one else is helping you with? And it's actually quite straightforward. That's my mantra. Every day, I want to make sure that I can help somebody grow their business. A little bit like the Atomic Habits book you may have read. 1%, if you can get 1% better at something every day, you're winning. Yeah. Great, great way to look at it. And I just, I love the setup and I didn't, I didn't realise that's what you did. So it's great to hear that's what you do. Now, moving on to the social media part of the podcast, and this leads me, it does lead me perfectly into it. Let's be honest, you, you don't need to be on social. You don't need to create a personal brand because your job is to look after the people. You don't have to tell people what you're doing because it necessarily, they don't need to know. So why do you have such a presence on social media yourself? Strange one, isn't it? I suppose it was about, I'll tell you where it came from, right? It was, um, we were looking at trying to, I've always been, a, I've always believed before I started getting big into social media, there was something to tap into there. Mm-hmm. And I think that because it's an, dare I say it, it's an unknown advertisement because you get your engagement, your impressions and so on and so forth. But there's people that see your content that don't interact with it, but they know who you are and what you yeah. do. Now, there was something there for me that was untapped. 
So I was by no means any expert in what this social media game was. So good friend of ours, Dave Corbett, did a session for us when he was at uh, his old role in, in Primus. And he said something to me that just struck with me. Just do it. Just do it until you get it right. If you get it wrong, go again. Mm -hmm. Fine. So from that day on, I did it. And, I did and it how, long days. how long ago was that? 18 months ago, I think. Huge. Um, maybe so. And I've, I've tried everything. I'll, you know, I've tested everything. It's gone from, I used to do a, a team of the week on social where I'd rope in brokers that have been great that week and give us some good feedback or I've got a great package case and I'd do a, I'd do a team of the week and I'd put them on a team sheet. Um, I've done a lot of stuff with, what really, what really started to get me involved in it and, and was the, the, the working at home stuff, home homeschooling. I think they were the most successful ones at the start because I just thought to myself, right, everyone's in a bit of stress. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going through the same position, especially those that have children have to juggle schooling as well as doing the, doing the job. And I thought to myself, do you know what? Like, I'm going to, my daughter sees me, and my eldest probably saw me a little bit worked out some days. Um, I was trying to juggle very basic maths with that, that I struggled with <laughs> to her. And then, and, then, and then deal with, you know, quite complex mortgage inquiries and, and, and coaching solutions with a team. Um, and I had to get that blend right. And to get that blend right, I got her involved in it. You know, I got her involved on the team calls. She was, you know, saying hi to everybody. And then I started to do a bit of video content with them um, and images and, and, and just, and it was great. It took off from there, really. And I suppose, why did I do it? Personal brand. And not, not to be, not, not to sound selfish-like, but I always remember um, an old leader of ours, I've mentioned Rob Barnard, Used to work at Oldermore. I said, oh, what to, I always wanted Rob Barnard a job when I joined Oldermore. You know, he was brilliant to be around. He was a great figure in the industry. Um, always happy, even though times when they're a bit stressful, always happy and upbeat and motivating. I like to think that's that's what I'm like. Mm. But over all of that, he said one thing was, you know, whatever you do in your career, there's always an opportunity to increase your transfer value. You know, and that's that's where I see it on social media, you know your transfer value can be increased because people get to know you as a person mm -hmm. rather than the, the title. That, that's right. And we'll get into personal branding in a minute, but how important do you think it is for a company in this day and age to be on social media? Oh, it's massive. If, if you are not on social media now, you, you've probably been asleep for two years. I, I, I slept on it too long, you know. What I would Because of that, like I'd mentioned before, people see content without you having to know they've seen it yeah. i've been at so many events just been getting out in the, in the in the road recently where you know people have been oh hi Matt. i didn't really know who they were and they were like i've seen your content it's brilliant they've never they've never liked any of it never commented but they see it and i'm thinking well, that's me you know I'm, you know i'm little matt right um and there's so many big brands out there that just don't utilize that properly you know i Oh, sorry. No, no, carry on. Sorry, no, you. Oh, I was just going to say what what I do get as well is a lot of that because people. The one thing with social media that you don't get, people see people should get me who I am, what I'm about, you know, the sense of humour, the expertise side that I've got. What they don't see is the physical me, right? And so I've heard people say to me, "Oh, you're different than you are online," and I thought I'll take that as a compliment, but I'm guessing that's because I'm a lot smaller than you think I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, five foot seven. You know, I'm not this towering six foot two bloke. I am small. So 
and that always starts off a good conversation or probably break the ice there and there. I'm sure you could break the ice in any room, Matt, to be honest with you. <laughs> but what I was going to say is talking about um, the, the likes and the shares and the interaction, we, we all crave that in, in life. We all crave somebody liking our content. But as you said, somebody could pass your content, not do anything with it for six months, but still know exactly who you are. And it's, it's become even more apparent. I read an article the other day that, you know, when you search something in Google, did you, you see that tweets come up as a, as a result? Well, they're starting to do that with Instagram and TikToks. So if you put an Instagram, Google have said, we're going to start um, putting, putting Instagram in the search results and TikTok. If you put an Instagram post out there, it could have one like, but if it's brought up by Google, it could be seen by thousands. So although, yes, I completely agree that, yes, likes, comments and shares are very good for social media posts, We've got to we've got to realize they're not the be all and end all. It's about how you're being perceived online. That that one person that searches your company and sees that you've got consistent posts, consistent branding, consistent content, and consistent values. That one person sees that post. They could have thirty buy to let properties, and we're, and there's probably brokers out there going, "Oh my god, thirty buy to let mortgages? You're kidding!" But that do you not know I mean how much <laughs> that would be just from one person to be impressed by the way that you portrayed your business on social? So. Yes, likes, shares, and comments are, but as you said, it's it's all about putting consistent content out there. And this leads me perfectly. You love using humor in your posts. Like if if you go onto uh, Matt's LinkedIn and if you scroll down a bit, you can put some of your posts in spotlights, it's called. You look at his first video that's on the far left-hand side and it starts off with finally. And it's about you getting back out into the world. And he's done this great video that's clipped in Joe Exotic and Dumb and Dumber in there. Great video. Go and watch it. I was in stitches. But what bit balance do you need between those business posts and those humorous or personal posts? Yeah, so um, I think two things really. So obviously, I work for an employer, so they have their own social media guidelines. And yeah. what, I, what I don't, what I'll never do is I'll never talk specifically about any rates specifically about any case studies about a mortgage that we've had um what i will do is talk about what we offer as a, as a brand mm -hmm. but there's two things to do so in, to, in balancing the human professionalism it depends on what we're trying to get across if it's me like that video post that i put together there going back out on the road you know 90 percent humor 10 percent, we're back at it yeah if it is for example, a social post that I shared the other day about the event on Thursday that me and my two colleagues in my team are working at, you know, it's 20% humor, 80% business. So it's about having that fine balance. I think, as I've mentioned before, we had a quick chat. I do have a Instagram, which what I want to do on that is I want to just give people behind the scenes, what is life like inside and outside of what I do? And, and to give, you know, the, the true side of it. Because, mm. I mean, to be fair, the LinkedIn side's true side. It just takes a bit of editing to get the video going. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to be, get that a balance right. But I think it depends on what, what type of content you're trying to put out. You know, if it's a new product launch and, and we're being asked to push it on social, and I won't really do that much humour on that. Um, a great example, actually, how, how it's starting to spread in, in, in the team is, and a guy that works in my team, Steve Johnson, who covers the East and East Anglia part of the business, um, really humorous guy. Um, he's like our own Jack D in the team. Right. But he's been doing really well on social recently. He's, he started off by searching just random daily news articles and then making that news article 
into uh, like a post about an older more proposition, what we offer and how we can help brokers. And then he started to do it a bit differently from his from his love of only fools and horses. If you, if you get a second, you go and check Steve Johnson's LinkedIn. Steve out, Johnson. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's good. God knows. Um, but humour, you know what? If we if we can, if something makes you smile and something makes you stop scrolling, that's the key. Mm-hmm. So that's got to make you stop scrolling. And it goes back down to the very first thing we started about, wasn't it? it was, you can't just put content out there. Content can't just be thrown out. You have to interact. You have to comment on other people's posts. You have to start building relationships digitally. Sounds crazy, right? You know, building relationships on LinkedIn. Me and you are talking here now because we exchange yeah. messages on LinkedIn. Yeah? yeah. And the point of that is, that's brilliant, right? We should all be doing it. So that, what, what I'm trying to say there is that this content that we put out there, it just has to stop people scrolling and going past. You mm-hmm. wouldn't, like I say, if you if you try to sell a product, in the more even in the mortgage world, right? Take the event on Thursday at the Business Expo. There'll be people walking past our stands. We need to get them to stop and talk mm-hmm. to us. If we don't engage, you ain't going to stop. So we have yeah. to be engaging the relationships. And we spoke about this before the podcast started. Is you used to sell broadband on the street, didn't you? And you said, hold my hands yeah. up. I'm really sorry. I was one of them. But yeah. like you said, you couldn't stand there with a poster and just expect people to come to you and speak to you. And that's the same as social media. You can't just put a post out there and expect the people coming past to come and speak to you. You need to get out there, engage, comment, speak, build digital relationships. I love that. And that's going to be the that's going to be the title of this podcast, actually. I've just decided build, okay. build digital relationships because I love that. And it, it's very true. But you have to in this day and age, don't you? Looking at that kind of thing, so obviously I would probably say LinkedIn's maybe your favorite social media platform. Yeah, LinkedIn's my favorite social media platform because it's just, it does two things. It it does the personal brand side and the business side at the same time because, you know, your product's everywhere. So so if we say LinkedIn's your favorite, how long do you spend on LinkedIn every day interacting with people, messaging people? Oh, three to four hours really easily. every day yeah easily yeah you know i'll do it in the morning uh so early in the morning when i'm currently picking the stones of sleep out of my eye from the three hours i've had the night before <laughs> um so uh, i'll be doing it then i'll be interacting over breakfast with people i'll be putting a post on in the morning i'll then be engaging throughout the day in, in between meetings um if i'm out on the road it's a bit different so I'll probably slow it down a bit but normally i'll have the time in the evening to do that as well but yeah all the time i'm engaging with people my network i'm, I'm connecting with new people every day um everything i'm always okay. growing up I'm growing that always. and what benefits have you seen from doing that over the last 18 months matt um well personal brand first and foremost you know people know me for, for socials now you know which is great because i wasn't on it 18 months ago too. Crazy to think that, isn't it? When 18 months ago, you never, and now people know you as the LinkedIn guy. Yeah, it's, it's really strange. Do you know what's really interesting? And do you know what? Like, I don't think anyone ever does this. It might be a bit weird, this, but I'm going to say it anyway, right? <laughs> you mentioned before that you see my stuff everywhere, right? And, and a good friend of mine, Paul Lewis, who you've spoken to before and, and yeah. on this podcast, you know, you go online, you see him everywhere. I once thought, well, if I logged into someone else's LinkedIn, would I see me on their posts? Because I'm liking everything, I'm commenting, and I probably would. And that's great. I like I like the feeling that the network that I got and the industry that I work in, um, you know, puts me in that position to share my brand and the, the company that I work for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in great light. It helps share the company, doesn't it? And, and this is true if, if there are brokers out there that are maybe are employed by a big corporate company, 
I'd have hoped that the corporate company would turn around and say, look, go out there and try and build your personal brand because we know it's only it's only a benefit to us. Yes, you might build it that big that you leave, but if you had a BDM, and I don't know if you have any BDMs that are big on social media and they make a huge name for themselves, well, they're attached to Oldermore. They're always going to be known as the Oldermore person, aren't they? And that can only be beneficial to Oldermore. Yeah, it is. It is. But I'm also a big believer of, for the people that I, I, I manage, is that, that the, the area they cover is theirs, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, and I'm a big believer. It's just not Oldermore's, it's theirs. If they treat that like their own, mm-hmm. their own brokers are theirs, their region is their business, their franchise, then it will get looked after far better. You know, it would. And I know that it's a, it might be a poor analogy, but you know what? You'd look after your car more than you would a higher car right yeah and i think that that's exactly the mentality i give my guys your region's yours so going back down to the old more piece while absolutely their social presence is tied to their current employer they need to be the the, the driver behind that mm-hmm. you know um and then it becomes that person no you don't work for that company it's just that person and social yeah. that's great at what they do um that i'm a big believer of that Okay, so that's LinkedIn. We can you can teach people how to use that. They they can use it yet yeah, to look after their own area, but also look after your own accounts, build up your own name. <laughs> Talking about Instagram, you say Instagram is quite new for you. What do you do on Instagram? Because I want to delve a bit deeper into this behind the scenes concept. Yeah, I mean, I've re I've I repurpose a bit of stuff. So I use TikTok to create videos, put a bit of music behind it. Uh, I download that and put it onto Reels just to get better reach, you know. Um, I'm working all angles to just try and see what works, really. But the Instagram piece for me is... So content you put on LinkedIn is prepared, right? So if it's a post, you've got a set of words, you've tagged people in, you've got an image, maybe a carousel or a short video. Um, That's prepared. What I want to be able to do is, like, you know what? Go live at an event you know, and spend 10 minutes doing a Q&A with people that aren't there. Um, show people what it's like building an event, let's say. Show people what it's like traveling between appointments and just that sort of stuff. Um, what people don't get to see, mm-hmm. you know, is people think that it's glamorous working in sales and working on the road. Mm-hmm. Ha- having sat on the floor in between carriages from Glasgow to Manchester when trains have been cancelled, I can tell you it's far from glamorous. But the thing is, I like sharing that side. And it's not a, oh, woe be me. It's a, this is life and I like it. You know, it's great. Um, what happens. Yeah, of course. This is this is exactly what happens. I mean, I'm bad luck on trains. They all get cancelled. But so still, <laughs> this is what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to start doing that. In fact, I'm going to start doing it from this Thursday at the MBE. And I'm going to start doing it there. In that, um, and this is the great thing. I listened to a podcast the other day that said, what you find man- mundane, other people find very interesting. So... Yes, I, I completely agree with that, that I could I could show somebody how I upload a podcast. I've done 39 of them now. It's just come second nature to me, but to somebody else, it might seem really interesting. But what it also does is showing them the mundane things, so like you sat on a train, cancelled train, can't believe it, on another cancelled one, it makes you a lot more relatable because somebody could be on Instagram going, oh, bloody, I had the same thing happen to me the other day, Matt. Did you end up sitting next to the toilets? Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of it can start a conversation that if you weren't uploading to Instagram stories, you would have missed that opportunity. Yeah. And I believe that you've only taken on Instagram because you feel you're comfortable with LinkedIn now. It might've been, if you took on LinkedIn and Instagram at the same time and tried to master both of them, 
you might have well, you might have turned around and gone, this is way too much. So don't try and run before you can walk with social media. Take one platform, I always believe. And as a mortgage broker, I always recommend Facebook because it's a very service-led platform. Use Try and master one social media channel. Then when you feel comfortable, move on to the next one. Is that Was that the strategy that you adopted? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I've always been like a casual, you know, user of social media personally, you know, with, with mates and family and stuff. But for business and for personal branding, I've never took it seriously. And then I thought, actually, I'm, I'm going to start having a bit of it. I've got this. Um, and LinkedIn started to work. Mm-hmm. And I created my own Instagram account, which is not tied to my business, my, you know, my employer at all. But um, so you probably guess my accent. I'm a Mancunian. Yes. So my Instagram handles the mortgage mank. All right. And, yes. um, and just to be, because, you know, I don't, doesn't matter what I'll do, I'll always work in marketing videos because I love the industry. Um, so that Twitter, that, that Instagram handle is perfect for me. And I thought to myself, right, I, I know I know LinkedIn. I've kind of, I've not mastered it because something will change. You know, everything changes daily. But stories came to LinkedIn and then died of death and went no, away, you. you know. Yeah. And I, so and I dabbled at that. It wasn't great. So um, I'll always keep going. But yeah, you're right. If you go feet into two three things at once is not going to work no it's overwhelming and you can get great tools you know buffer for example you know you've talked about it before that do the job for you from multi-posting but actually if you can spread content that differs between platform that's that for me is where the key is you know linkedin you've got your business stuff with a bit of humor and it's relatable you want to stop people scrolling instagram it's about your life you Let's get some reach and then you can venture further from there, really. I heard a great um, analogy on a podcast and I've, I've mentioned it before on here, the Janet Murray podcast. So she was a writer for The Telegraph, I think. Um, and she set up her own a copywriting business and set up like a diary that shows awareness days. And she talks about how on your Instagram, your Instagram grid, if you think about selling your home, your Instagram grid is your house when the estate agent comes to see it's polished, it's beautiful, it's the best it can look. And then your stories is the day-to-day running of the house when the estate agent isn't there looking at it. So it shows both parts of your business. It shows you polished, but it also shows behind the scenes. And, and that's exactly what you do, do with your social media. That has slightly changed with the introduction of Reels, that the Reels are yes. a bit more fun, a bit more ad hoc, and they can appear on your on your um, your grid. So there's a slight change to it, but I've always liked that analogy. I thought it was a great way to, to sum up Instagram. But That's a great way of looking at it. It's really good. And I've yeah. got a good friend of mine that actually, he set up Broken right at the start of the pandemic. Self-employed, straight from fresh. All of his business outside of you know family and friends, social media driven, all of it. Love um, it. Instagram, LinkedIn, and you know, and he asked, you're right, Stories for day to day behind the scenes, a bit of a bit of posting, you know, in terms of um, publicising himself, and then grid purely about the brand. If you want to go, if if anybody listening to this wants to go into that into a bit more depth, the last podcast episode with Daniel Knott, he's purely used Instagram to generate leads, and he talks about the different types of content he creates for each part of Instagram, and he's getting four leads a week off Instagram, but. His reels will be a bit of fun content. His IGTV will be more informative content. He talks about the grid post. He talks about the stories. So if you are interested in going into a bit more depth that we've spoken about, take a listen to Daniel Knott's uh, podcast as well after this one. Right, so I'm going to tie off the social media section there because we could go forever and ever, but I think we've covered LinkedIn and Instagram in, in really good depth there, and I hope it's given people a lot of value. Now we're on to the strategy section. So 
you've been moved to the north of Scotland, the very north, because you're halfway up there in Manchester. I'm from Birmingham. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're more north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, an internet connection, and a mobile phone. What do you do to start generating new leads? Brilliant. So the third, the first thing I do is um, it's all video content at the start. Okay. All video content. So um, what I've not mentioned so far is that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a user of TikTok, but not really, not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen some great people do it. You, you've had Joe Barlow on, for example, mm-hmm. who, who's brilliant on, you know, on TikTok. Coach, and, yeah. yeah, the home buyer coach and Emmy Dent, Michael Sherwood. Them guys do really well. So what I'd do, I'd emulate that. I'll be somebody who would I'd, I'd put video content three times a day, short, sharp, a spread of humor, a spread of educational, and a spread of what I offer. Mm-hmm. And then what I'd do is I'd repurpose that on every platform going. I'd put it onto Instagram. I put it onto Twitter, maybe Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Then I've all I've done one video, three or four places, all repurposed. Um, the reach is good. What I then do is over time I start to create a bit of a following um, and there's a call to action. So again, so let's take TikTok, for example, over a thousand followers. I go live, I do a live QA once a week. What I then do is I have a call to action where I give away maybe a, a free guide. Maybe I get somebody to buy a guide from me. Maybe some of your previous guests may have done that, like, like Joe, for example. You know, he's got that mentality. And it's, you know what it's a little bit about, right? It's about, um, it's, like, it's like affiliate marketing a little bit. You're, you're pushing you out there to gather a following, and then you are indirectly pushing a promotional product, which is your brand, but you're getting somebody to, to get something off you for free. And what you get in return, their contact, their emails. And then what you do is you create blog content that pushes out an email that actually educates them on the market, what's happening. So one of the big things I believe in is using news to gain content and ideas. Okay. So if, if, for example, if I am, if I'm going to try and attract first time buyers and I've got maybe an email list of people that I've gathered on social media from my content, the latest news that comes out the first time buyer market that makes it easier for them to get a mortgage and me to get a deal, I'll send it. Blog, send, done, you know? Um, so it kind of repurposes that stuff. And what happens then? These people I've captured will refer on and so on and so forth. And finally, if I wanted to get deeper into the wider education, I'd just go into YouTube and repurpose that video content some more. What I like there is not one time have you mentioned about the location that you're in you're thinking on a national scale. And I think that's where your mind is because you've been in the the job that you're in. It doesn't matter where you are in in the UK, you can pick up clients from pretty much anywhere. It doesn't matter if you pick them up from the pub down the road or from Southampton when you're in the north of Scotland. It's all about driving them. And that was quite a wealth. Did you write that down, did you? Or is that up in your head? No, I mean, I've got a couple of notes around the start of it, but all that comes on my, because I think that's that's how you should generate like a business relationship, you know, a snippet's out there. It's like a funnel, right? A snippet's out there. You widen it with some content. You widen it with conversations. And then you widen it with your content marketing, your strategy, your follow-ups. Um, it's like a lot of things, really. And I think it's, it's about getting people wanting to hear from you. There's a difference between getting people to see you, you know? Because you... you I'm sorry. You've got to hit them at the right time as well, haven't you? Because not everybody needs a mortgage right now. They might be following you for six to 12 months, but if you can feed them with lots of content and Ben Moore spoke about it, who's uh, like a, an estate agent. And he talks about it as like a dartboard. 
if you're throwing a dart, which is your piece of content on the dartboard, it's not going to hit every client every time. But the closer you get to that bullseye is the time that they are ready to act. But it doesn't mean that they haven't seen the last six months worth of content and you've built some trust with them and some brand authority, have you? Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and it, you know, it doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are, per se. And it, they could be across the road. They could be, you know, at the middle and the, or the bottom of the country. What yeah. matters is, can you get your brand out there to help that person in that time of need? The answer is yes. You should be distributing that content out and getting people to come and see you and then getting them to want to hear you. Getting them want to hear you a lot. I really like that. Perfect way to sign off the podcast. Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Really do appreciate it. As a thank you, I make a £10 donation to a charity of your choice. And which charity did you want? Mind. Mind. Mind charity. Perfectly. Um, with Mental Health Day a couple of days ago. Quite apt. Yeah. Matt, thank you very much for coming on. If anybody wants to connect with Matt, best place to get him at the minute is LinkedIn, but then also on the Instagram as well, The Mortgage Man. Cool. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Cool. Take care. So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.